We'll be in Matthew chapter 12, starting at verse 38. Give me a little thumbs up when you got that on your device slash old-fashioned book called the Bible. That's a high five. That's a hand raise. I need a thumb. There you go. All right, Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 38. Please read along as I read for us. This is the word of the Lord. Matthew 12, 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. And he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Verse 43. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through the waterless places, seeking rest, but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. All right, let's go ahead and pray together um, for this time of worship through God's Word. Oh God, we come before your Word humbly, asking God, make yourself known. And we know that you have promised that you are revealed in this Scripture, in this book that I hold in my hand. And so God, I ask, give us understanding, give me clear thoughts and clear speech. Um, but God, whatever happens, God, just move in your people, in these people here, um, that we may learn to follow you, that we may learn to respond to your call. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, if I had to write down with uh, on a piece of paper, the title of this, I think I would call it A Worthy Response to Jesus. Um, and if I, the, the other married folk here can testify, having a right response to a situation is very, very important. My wife has trained me now when she buys a new set of clothing and walks in and is like, Blake, I want to show you this. I have to be excited. I have to be high energy. And when she shows it to me, I can't just be like, oh, I like that. I have to be like, oh my gosh, you look so good. I love that color on you. And be more genuine about it, of course. Because when I, when I act lamely, it, it sends the, the message of, I don't really care. Or even, you know, clothes are kind of a light example. So let's think a, a little more realistically. On our wedding day, you know what an appropriate response to seeing my wife walk, or my soon-to-be wife walk down that aisle? Cry. Tears. Amen. 
Now, I'm not a crier, but I got a little misty-eyed. Definitely. Right? But that's a right response. It's a worthy response because this is the moment where I'm becoming joined with the woman I love. Right? Or even if one day we're pregnant and she tells me, Blake, I'm pregnant. My response should not be awesome. <laughs> right? That, no, that does not sound like I think it's awesome. And in the same way, in this passage, Jesus is showing, is, is pleading with these Pharisees and scribes how we ought to respond to himself. And so that's what we're, we're really going to look into. How, what is a worthy response? A right response to the person of Jesus and his gospel. And, and I want to put it to you, it's three R's that we get. Three R's. First, we repent then we run to Jesus. And lastly, we rely on him. So repent, run, and rely. So these are the, the, the right responses that Jesus lays out to himself. So let's go ahead, dive right in. Uh, first right response is to repent. Repent. So let's set the scene, right? Verse 38. Go ahead and look down. Verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. All right, so we've talked about scribes and Pharisees before, but um, in case you need a little refresher, these are like the top of the top when it comes to Judaism. They're the smart guys. They went to college. They are... They memorize the first few books of the Bible. They're keeping the law. They're the, the religious leadership. And they come to Jesus saying, hey, show us a sign. And what is Jesus' response in verse 39? But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. So they come asking, hey, show us, show us a sign. Show us a miracle. Prove to us you are who you say you are. And Jesus is like, you know what? You asked for this? Well, you're an evil and adulterous generation. It's like, whoa, okay. Like, I hope Jesus doesn't always respond like that because I've asked for signs. I've, I've said in, in quiet moments, God, if you're out there, will you just show up in this moment? From everything as trivial to a history test or to things as big as family members being sick. And so it is not the sign that Jesus is opposed to. For he's already done many signs. He's already healed people. He's already raised a, a little girl from the dead. He's made blind people see. Jesus is not opposed to doing these works, these signs. But he's opposed to these religious leaders. Right? He says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. 
Right? Where am I getting with all this? Right? We've, we've walked through the first few verses of this. And it's important to know. Jesus here, why he is getting on the case of these Pharisees. Because their reaction, their response to himself is not the right one. Their response is, show us more miracles. Prove it. Prove it, God. You know, if, if you're really who you say you are, you'll do this. But Jesus says, look to the people of Nineveh. They, they, Jonah shows up, if you don't know the story, Jonah shows up at Nineveh, preaches the message of 40 days and your city is going to be destroyed. And they're all like, oh, we better repent. It's like, if there's any proof that God is working through the preacher, it's that moment because he has no great message. And yet these people repent, repent. And so he's saying to the Pharisees, look, if these people repent, there is now something so much greater. There is now someone so much greater than Jonah here. Jesus declares that a right response to himself is repentance. Just consider the two men we have here. Jonah and Jesus. Jonah flees from the call of God. Right? God, God says, go, go to the people of Nineveh. He goes the opposite direction. Jesus volunteers for the mission to go to earth. Jonah sins and, and, and keeps on this downward spiral of sin after sin. Jesus maintains his perfect integrity and never sins. Jonah preaches this message of destruction while Jesus preaches a message of grace to those who believe. Jonah longs for the destruction and, and regrets the mercy of God. And Jesus delights in showing that very same mercy. And Jesus challenges these Pharisees to say, Be like the Ninevites. Look to Jesus and repent. And so I ask us for a second, what is our response when we approach Jesus? Um, I know it's easy for me to approach with flippancy, with, with this light um, disregard for who he actually is. But, as Jesus has shown us, the right response to himself and his gospel is repentance. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 42. So, the first point, Jesus says, the right response is repentance. Second, he says, the right response is to run to himself. 42, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now this story comes from 1 Kings chapter 10. 
Um, talking about a queen of a place called Sheba who, who hears of this man, Solomon, who has been gifted by God for wisdom. And so she packs up and travels all the way to this distant land just to ask of this wise king, Solomon. So Jesus, it seems he would be saying here, show the effort, go that distance, right? That, that's what it seems like. Be like this queen who, who left everything and, and journeyed so far just to get the wisdom of Solomon. But we got to remember, who is Jesus talking to, right? Who is, right at the verse 38, scribes and Pharisees. Scribes and Pharisees. Now, do they have a problem with not showing enough effort? Right? This is a rhetorical question you don't have to answer, but I will answer it for you. No, they don't have a problem showing effort. Right? These are the people who add laws on top of the regular laws so they don't get close to breaking their original law. They, they aren't afraid of putting an effort, of, of doing the external things to, to stay clean. But notice that she came to see Solomon. The queen of the south came to see Solomon. Jesus here is saying, yes, put in effort, but not at doing things, not at just attaining wisdom. She could have gone to all ends of the earth to find wisdom. But seek the person of Jesus. Now, guys, if I could get this across by just like having a brain connect, I would be so happy. Because this, this is something that is so fundamental and yet so hard to, to put into words. But your faith is in the person of Jesus. Right? So that means... He is the source of it. If, if to be a Christian is to say you are in Christ, you have been saved, you have been pulled out of your sin. And so, we, the, the process by which we are transformed into something that looks more like Jesus is Jesus himself. Now, now let me be clear. Imagine for me, if you will, you're a foster kid. You've been in the foster care system your whole life, hopping house to house, fairly traumatic, just hardship after hardship, house to house, and then out of the blue, a family adopts you. Never seen them, never met them, just boom, out of the blue, all of a sudden you're in a family who loves you, cares for you, works with you when you fail, I mean, most of our natural reaction to that is, why? Why? Why, why, do, why am I getting this? Why me? And, and a desire to, to just understand this, this person, who's, this family who's plucked you out of this terrible situation. So too, us as Christians, we ought to look at our plight of where we were and where we are now and say, Man, this is Jesus. Jesus is who we run for. Jesus is who we desire to know. 
And so Jesus is challenging these Pharisees. Say, if you do not delight in running to me, if you do not delight in reading this word, then I don't know what faith you have. See, a faith in Jesus means we run to him. So not only are we repenting, turning away from sin and turning towards Jesus, but we're seeking, we're delighting in Jesus. But we have one final response to Jesus that we lay out, and it seems to take a weird turn. Verse 43, Jesus starts talking about unclean spirits. Let's go ahead and read it. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through the waterless places seeking rest, but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. Now, this seems to be a complete change of thought. In fact, my Bible even breaks it up into a different section. It's got its own little chapter or little title heading thing. Um, But if, if you are reading straight through, you'll notice if you have a red text for when Jesus speaks, it's all red. There's no break. And so I believe this is also Jesus speaking to those Scribes and Pharisees, once again, saying, hey, this is what a right response to me looks like. And he he gives this illustration of a demon. So, so, an unclean spirit gets cast out of a person, say, and and that person, you know, puts in the work to to walk the straight and narrow, to, to be good, to do all the good that they can and avoid all the evil that they can. And Jesus says, you know what? In the end, this person will be end up worse off than they were at first. Why is he saying this? It is so important that we recognize that reliance on anything other than Jesus is going to fail us. What does that look like to rely on something other than Jesus? Well, so often we rely on ourselves. You know, my ability to push through. You know what? I am going to be a good Christian. I'm going to do it. I can't tell you how many times I have seen a specific scene in my life and approached it saying, I am never going to do this again. And what do I do by the next day? I do it again. Maybe if I'm lucky, I last like three days without doing that same exact sin. Of course, doing other ones. Maybe we rely on those people around us to give us meaning. You know, he says he's, he, he likens the person to a house that's swept up, cleaned, and orderly. Maybe, maybe 
if all our relationships are right and good, maybe then, then, then I'll have value of meaning. But Jesus here is saying to the Pharisees, and so too it speaks to us, rely on me. We can only rely on Jesus. Let me give you a little illustration. Who here has, has done those little Chinese finger traps? You know? You know? Yeah. I, my brother loved those things. He would force my fingers. So basically what happens is you put your fingers in and it feels all loose and like you could escape at any time. But as soon as you start pulling back, the, the weave of the material tightens up and your fingers get stuck. And then the more pressure you apply, the tighter it gets. But if you relax, then you can't pull your fingers out and you're stuck. And it, this is, I think, a great picture of sin. Because, you know, we are all born into that Chinese finger trap. We're born with our fingers in it. And the more we pull and fight and, and just try to tough it out to get rid of this sin, to muscle it out on our own power, the tighter the claws of sin get into our life. The truth of it is, without Christ, you have no chance of escaping the bondage of skin. You have no chance of combating the power of sin. But here's the flip side, and this is where the news gets good. With Christ, you absolutely do have freedom from the bondage of sin and the power of sin. In Jesus, we learn, we, we are given the freedom to say no to sin and yes to himself. And that comes with reliance on him. Jesus comes and says, you know what? I see your fingers are stuck and he chops that Chinese finger trap in half. And it's no longer relevant. There are no bonds pulling you together. You're no longer stuck in the cycle of pull and tighten come together and loosen. High schoolers and middle schoolers, I, I want to come to an, an end here of our time in the Word with both a warning and a promise. And this is where we, we get into some of the application. Here's my warning. We are all born into this generation. It is so easy to read this passage and say, yeah, you go, Jesus, you get them. Right? It's like, yeah, you get those Pharisees, you evil and adulterous generation. You teach them a lesson. But the truth of it is, we are this same evil and adulterous generation. We are born into it by nature and by choice. And this is a warning. Jesus is saying the last state of that person 
will be worse than their current one. That's a scary truth. But there is eternal consequence. But here we also have the flip side, which is the promise. Because though we are born into that generation, Jesus promises new life in himself. Right? We have from Paul that the old man dies in Christ and a new man is raised. We are no longer, as as Christians, you are no longer a member of that generation. You are no longer stuck in the cycle of sin. And so that is why we fight our sin. That is why we repent as a response to Jesus. Not just because Jesus shows up on the scene and does nothing, but because he has done everything. So so why do we respond with repentance? Because Jesus has given us the opportunity to be forgiven by becoming a man and dying on a cross to take away our sins and raising again to new life so that we too would raise to new life. And why do we run to Jesus? Because he has been so good to us that in him we have all that we could ever want, hope, and desire. That in him is true delight and satisfaction. And why do we rely on Jesus? Because he has the power to set us free from sin. To, to break the chains of the cycle of sin that we are stuck in. And say, you know what? You have been freed. Now live according to this new life I have given you. And so, as we go through our week and going forward, maybe even this whole month, let me, let me challenge you. Reflect on Jesus. What do I mean? I don't want you to go home and say, okay, repentance is important. I'm just going to repent. Because once again, that is just relying on your own strength. Please, what I beg, what I ask for, what what I hope and earnestly desire for all of you and myself, is that we could truly learn to love our Savior. And so this week, my challenge is this. Read this word. Know your Savior. Pray. Speak to your Savior. Make those two things in tandem. What does that mean? Make those two things work together so that when Jesus speaks to you through his word, you can then respond back to him in prayer. Pray scripture to God. Our response is important. There is a right response to the person of Jesus. May we be people 
who in delighting in him learn to repent, learn to run after him, and rely on his power. Let's go ahead and pray. Oh God, we are so grateful that you sent your son, Jesus, to this world. And God, that he would volunteer for that mission, knowing the outcome. God, we are so blessed. God, I ask that you would give us a desire, a hunger to know who you are, to just just learn of your beauty, of your character. And out of that, God, give us the habit of repentance. Out of that, God, let us daily fix our eyes and run towards you. And God, we rely on you for these changes, for we know we cannot accomplish them on our own power, on our own strength. And God, you have promised that you will work in those who are yours. And so, God, we offer ourselves up to you. Please change us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.